calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. All righty, righty, Madigan. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Keegan. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good. You know, yesterday, so we are recording on Sunday, and yesterday, of course, uh, everyone will know that Joe Biden was announced as the president-elect of the United States. What, what? Very exciting. Um, And we had had a whole different episode planned uh, for today, but it really just kind of feels like this is where everybody is at mentally right now, including us, to just kind of talk about our reactions to the election and yeah you know the results it's it's just crazy yeah I mean everything that I was seeing I just wanted to talk to you about and get your opinions on and bounce something off of you so I was like yeah we just need to have a conversation we need to get some alcohol and you know pretend that we're in the closet together right now and just like have a bit of a celebration time even though you know we're gonna talk about the things that obviously we still need to be persistent on with our new leaders and things like that but I think right now it's also very important to to bask in some of the good feelings that we have there is this strange sense of like normalcy that's been regained there's something about seeing a normal uh you know speech from joe biden accepting you know the presidency and things yeah, like what that was it that van jones said he said like normal is the new thrilling like, yes. boring is the new thrilling and i'm that's like exactly yeah, it's true it's just like we've I think we've all been collectively holding our breath in some form or fashion for the last four years and just yeah. so shrouded in like embarrassment, <laughs> um, totally. just not knowing what next was going to come out of Trump's mouth uh, on the like international stage. And yeah. so while I don't think necessarily that Joe Biden is this great speaker the way that maybe Obama was, it was just nice to hear somebody speak eloquently articulately in full sentences right and and, (laughs) in a way slinging insults you know exactly and in a way that was like unifying and not diversifying and you know it was really really it was nice to hear And, and I didn't feel like you know I was watching I think I was watching CNN yeah I watched CNN 
uh, during his whole speech and everything. And they they say they're like, no, he's not a great like speaker or anything like that. It's just that we are so used to hearing this bullshit. But they also said something else that I really loved and I've been like kind of replaying in my head. They're like, we no longer have to listen to him, really. Like he's going to be everywhere and he's got this big base. So things are different. So I didn't completely agree. Trump. Yeah, sorry. So I don't completely agree with what this guy on CNN said because Trump's base is so large and things like that. But at the same time, I'm like, this guy's not going to be president for that much longer. Like, but I don't have to listen to you anymore. Right. You know, power has been sucked out of it. Right. Like, so Trump supporters, they're not going anywhere. Trump, I don't think is really going anywhere as far as like, he's going to try and hold on to his base and whatever kind of power and control he can. I'm just wondering like what kind of, cause he's, he's not gonna be doing rallies anymore or anything like that. He might. Well, for what? Could he run for another office? No, for himself. Oh, just as like celebratory rallies. That's all it ever was anyway. It was all just Trump cult, you know, and I've even seen on Twitter kind of just like scrolling through Twitter people who now, I guess because Fox News, you know, they were one of the first to say he won Arizona, um, that Biden won Arizona rather. And, you know, they called the election as well for Biden. And so a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of Trumpers on Twitter are upset about that. We can't trust Fox News anymore. And so they're all like, can't wait for Trump TV, which I know was something that had been um, kind of something that people had been whispering about that he might try and do at the end of his presidency is continue his, quote, media empire and start his own news station. That makes sense. It's going to kind of be like a, it sounds like a glorified YouTube channel, you know, where it's just going to be him going off on his, like, conspiracy rants and things like that. I was talking to Max this morning, and I compare Trump supporters very much to, like, brainwashing victims uh, in a lot of ways. And... Well, it's a cult for sure. It is. It's cult mentality. It really, really is. It is. And I've been learning more and more and more about uh, cults recently and kind of like deprogramming and what that means and all that kind of stuff. And so, of course, I've been like filling Max in on everything that I'm like reading and fascinated by. And this morning he's like, so we just need to be like maybe a little patient and let them just like reprogram a bit. Like maybe if they start see, I was like, maybe if they start seeing like normalcy for a little bit it will at least pull in not like the trump supporters but at least like the ones that were worried about like you know biden being a socialist or you know the ones that are more like they voted for trump because like they wanted a republican as president and wanted those policies and oh i think we're gonna get those people very quickly i don't think that that's gonna take too long it's gonna be i think a lot of our family members are probably a lot like that where now that that's over do you feel like your family is gonna kind of start to move on from that I think that they will. Um, I do think that there are members of my family who are Trumpers, like not just Republicans who are Trumpers, who are fans of his. Um, And I think that those people are going to be harder to get back because, you know, it's not it's not about party. It's not really about beliefs. It's about this person, which is what makes it so cult like, you know. Right. Um, So we'll see as far as like what happens there. But what I feel, though, is that with this loss, a lot of the power is sucked out. Right. Whereas like you have these people who felt very emboldened in their beliefs. Well, they were being Um, validated because it was the president. It was the president. Right. right? So they're in control or they think they are of this country because the president is on their side and backing all of their beliefs. Um, 
now that that aspect isn't there anymore, I think that there will be people who still cling, but I think that there will be people who at least become far less loud right? Um, and kind of fade. Well, yeah, and I hope that seeing a comparison between, you know, a president who is saying, you know, non-racially violent things and not derogatory things and bigoted things and then seeing Trump continuing to do that on like a lesser stage and on like a little channel or something I don't know I can see even some you know just uninformed Trump supporters kind of realizing like oh maybe I don't want to you know right the spell will be broken yes exactly that's exactly I I do perfectly put now I mean we'll see what happens as far as like (laughs) I honestly, I don't understand how these Trump supporters aren't embarrassed because oh, anytime yeah. that I've got on, I've gotten on Twitter, I've refreshed Twitter many times um, in the last week and have been kind of following Trump's tweets and it's embarrassing. Like you, you should be embarrassed that this is the way that this person is responding and reacting. Um, it's like... I wouldn't even want my little brothers to be tweeting yeah. publicly like yeah. this. Like, let's, it's so immature. Let's talk a bit about how Trump is reacting because we, you know, I think we have a lot of listeners that obviously aren't from the U.S. and things like that as well. We're filling them in a bit on what Trump has been doing. Uh, he obviously has chosen not to concede. That is kind Which of a big thing might be thing the first right time now. in history. I think it may yeah. be the first time in history that that has happened, that we've had a victory speech before a concession speech. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen and typically um, whoever loses the election will call because yeah. it's, it's civil, you know, it's just decency that you would call right. the other and it's congratulate not a, them on the win. Yeah, it's not a law. It's not anything that's written. You know, that was all, you know, very much said very clearly on CNN. Like, look, although this is, you know, tradition, it isn't technically law. And the thing that was bothering me the most is, you know, on their little panel of CNN People. It was when Anderson Cooper was on and a few others. And there, I can't remember the guy who was the like Republican Rick Santorum. Rick, Rick Santorum. Fucking Santorum. He, yeah. he would say things sometimes that I, you know, I, I can't say I liked because they were very, very moderate. I had to kind of like give it to him, you know. But at the same time, he just enraged me with everything that he said. And he used the same uh, excuse that everybody has always used for Trump. And it's like, well, that's just. That's just him. That's just his way. That's the way that he does things. But just because someone behaves a way, that doesn't mean that it's the right way to behave or that it's okay. Like, would we tell a child, like, do we respond to children that way when they act out or they behave badly? Do we just say, oh, well, that's just how little Johnny is. It's like, no. Well, that's probably how Trump was raised. And his administration is like his parents that just let him get away with everything. You know? You know, what I thought was funny, and I pointed out last night, um, to Anthony, I was like, man, when you look at his Twitter, it really looks like he tweets like a bunch all at once. And then hours and hours and hours go by. And then he'll shoot off another couple tweets and then hours and hours and hours. And it makes me think like, is he just getting his hand, like getting his hands on his phone and then tweeting as much as possible. And then someone realizes he's tweeting and they take his phone away and then he gets Uh it back. You know, I have a very different image of what happens. I, especially the last few days with how long this has gone and how it's been kind of like this endurance thing, like an endurance test a bit for everybody, uh, especially the candidates, everybody on their campaigns, and of course, all of the news anchors that we grew to know and love so much. But um, he, the image that I have in my head is that like, 
He does a bunch of blow. And I'm not trying to start shit. I'm not trying to say anything, but in my head, I, I just, I've heard it's Adderall, actually. That's Adderall. Been the, that's there you been go. the thing that's been going around. They said again, someone came out who was on The Apprentice and said that he does a shit ton of Adderall, that which would make I can buy. So much sense to me. So, like I said, I'm not trying to start shit, but in my head, this is just what I imagine. It's, he's like in somewhere where he's got like maybe not maybe a bed but like somewhere where he could totally nap on and then he like does a line of whatever he does goes on like a twitter rampage and then just like passes the fuck out gets up does another line like i just think it's he does this such like highs and lows you know what i mean which almost makes me think that you're in this like manic neurotic state for some reason or maybe it's like the meds he's getting right now from covid and everything like what kind of steroids are they even giving him? i mean it could be i don't know if he's still on steroids for covid but i mean it it could be i don't know but it he is could have unhinged. the same doctor as jfk you could be <laughs> <laughs> um but it, he's i mean it's unhinged and it's embarrassing and i don't understand how you can see that and be like this is my candidate this is the person i'm going to back even yeah. if you believe that there was fraud involved and you believe that Trump is justified in pointing that out. The way that he is doing it is is so appalling. Like, yeah. I, I feel like if that was someone I voted for, I would be like, look, there's a better way to talk about this, speak on this, bring attention to this. Exactly. Than just fucking yelling and lying. You well, know? Right. And even the way that he's uh, written everything out, I I don't know if it was like a deposition or what it was, but I saw something that he had written out talking about like the states that he wanted to sue. And it was written in a way that was like, I'm going to sue all of them. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it was I mean, like, I'm going to sue all the states. From period. what I saw, <laughs> it was like, basically, he wants to sue all the ones he lost in. <laughs> right. But I'm like, that's not, that isn't, that's not how any of this works, my guy. Like, what? I Right. I can see, what was it? What, Georgia was still the one that was the closest, right? Where it was maybe like 2,000 I believe so, difference yes. or something like yeah. that. You know, that I can understand. If you wanted to go through the legal process of having a recount and all that kind of stuff, I completely understand. But his reasoning for recounts is so heavily based in this idea that mail-in ballots were not real ballots and aren't real votes and that like there's been all of these crazy conspiracy theories of things that the Dems are doing to like create more votes or what they're doing on the inside have always existed absentee ballots have always existed in every election they have existed this isn't something that's new and also something that I don't hear a lot of Republicans pointing out or talking about is that you know, you want to question all of these mail-in ballots, but you, none of you guys are talking about th- those same ballots have things down the ballot, right? They've got measures. They've got, you know, senators. You're voting for things that aren't just the presidency. Exactly. So what are we doing about all of that? We're throwing all of that out the window, too? We would have just been really, really bad at our jobs. That's essentially what they're getting at is like, y'all tried to hack us. You thought you were smart. But you did a really bad job. If obviously, we were going to rig this election, we would have rigged it better. Like, there's we no way we would have made it this close. Like, why would yeah. we have made it this close? Why would we have thrown away Senate seats? Why would we like that? Doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, like, we would have made Biden win big. There would have been something. You it know, would have it, been a landslide, and we would have taken. We would have been flipping the Senate left and right. Like, it doesn't. I mean, trust me, that's what we wanted. 
That's what we absolutely wanted. So, and yes, we're upset about that. And I don't think that people, you know, obviously people are celebrating in the street, so they're not seeing that. But yes, we're very aware that that's going to be a struggle. But the Republicans, I think, don't realize that we see that. You know, Mitch McConnell is still there. Like, as as long as Mitch McConnell is there and has any form of power, we're fucked. Right. I mean, or it makes it at least more difficult, for sure. It does. So it's ridiculous. And I do think that, you know, most sane people see that this is an incredibly ridiculous claim. Um, Even Fox News is really kind of tiptoeing around a lot of this stuff that Trump is saying. Um, Of course, there are some people, Newt Gingrich, you know, um, Kaylee McEnany, whatever her name is, the press secretary, who are fully supporting and retweeting the things that Trump is posting. Um, But I think in general, a lot of people can see that this is just, it's just a sore loser. We're just watching someone completely blow up because their ego got bruised. Yes. If I am going to quote the guy uh, after Biden's speech when he was talking about Trump being a sore loser, he compared him to a seven-year-old losing an ice skating competition. And (laughs) I took great offense. to. I know. I was like, fucking rude. I've been a seven-year-old that lost an ice skating competition. And when you're seven, that fucking hurts. But at the same time, he is a, what, 74-year-old man? Right, but he has the like yeah. mental capacity. That's exactly of, of, like, what it is. Exactly it really, what it, it is. It really is it's the it's, same thing. I mean, and we knew we knew that this was what was going to happen. I mean, we talked about it. He said as much that he yeah. was not going to agree to accept the results of the election, uh, and that he well, wasn't going to agree to a peaceful transition of power. And that exactly. is scary. He's never accepted any sort of loss in his life. I mean, even with his real estate business, like he was a failure. Like he is not a good businessman. Like he has been a failure many, many times, yet he's been able to like perceive himself as some sort of winner always. And I wonder if this is like this really, really big, obvious first time where he was a major loser and he cannot cope with that. Yeah, no, I don't think he can cope with it. I mean, he lied about the number of people at his inauguration. He tried to contest uh, the fact that he lost the popular vote in 2016. I mean, exactly. we, we have footage of Hillary Clinton at one of the debates basically saying, like, everyone should be concerned about the fact that if things don't go his way, he says that it's rigged. He did it all through the 2016 election when he lost the Iowa caucus. Yeah. Um, and he even said, you know, Hillary Clinton pointed out that he even said whenever he didn't win an Emmy for The Apprentice, like three Emmys in a row, that he accused the Emmys of being rigged. Like he can't. Right. He can't handle that. Maybe you're just not good enough. Like maybe exactly. you're just not going to win at this thing. You know, he's, he's always. Yeah, he's just always created a way I feel like for himself to be on top in some way so the fact that this is so obviously not his time to win there's just no there's no and there's no way to fix it there's no way and he's trying to create ways to still come out on top but there's there's no way to get around it and I, I actually do think that it gets as much as he you know won't let on to it I think it does get under his skin that people are celebrating his defeat, like actively across the world, uh, you know, across the country, dancing in the streets. You know, I think that it's very, 
I think it bothers him that he's not liked, you know, which is why he likes to host rallies that are basically they're not he never stopped hosting rallies, even whenever he yeah. wasn't campaigning. You know what I mean? It's and it was just, just self celebratory. He needed people to stroke his ego at all times, you know, and this being kind of on this grand stage, not only have you lost, but people are rejoicing that you have lost. Yes. Um, and I don't Let's think talk- he can handle that. He can't. Let's talk about when he returned from the golf course oh. and went back to the White mm. House yesterday. It was, it was chef's kiss beautiful to oh, watch. so perfect. Oh, I feel like I've got to take, I haven't had a sip of my drink in a while, so I feel like I've got to take a really big gulp if we're going to continue talking about this. Okay, I'm, I'm drinking a michelada. What are you having, Madigan? I don't know exactly what it is, but you know at Trader Joe's you can go and get like the grapefruit bellini? Mm. I guess it's at a lot of different uh, Delicious. grocery stores. Yes. But this is mango. Ooh, yum. Is it good? It's really good. It kind of tastes like champagne and mango juice. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's delicious. I had my champagne day yesterday, so I was like, I don't want to keep drinking champagne. I drank so much champagne yesterday. Yeah, I I was telling Keegan before we recorded, I tried to. I had maybe half a glass of champagne, and usually, like, champagne drunk for me is my best drunk. Like, you will love me drunk on champagne. I am a great time. But I drank half a glass. And I was just like, I don't like this. Like, I feel too drunk already. I just felt really weird. So I was like, I don't think I can do this. So instead of the champagne from yesterday, I'm drinking this. And then maybe I'll, I'm going to have to drink it because I don't want it to go bad. So. Oh, 100%. It's your duty I'll do that. to do so. Yes. Maybe I'll get some orange juice to at least like cut it a little yes, bit. I'm do that. such a baby. I don't drink anymore, really. So I'm such a baby when I do it. I'm still a pro. But anyway. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, gosh. Wait, you turned 30 in March, right? Yes, ma'am. And you're still, uh, how are your hangovers like your days after? Uh, it really depends. Like this morning I was fine. And I drank pretty okay. steadily yesterday, and this morning I was okay. But I've definitely, I have to be careful about what I'm drinking, and I do have to give myself water breaks. Yeah, you know, I can't just like slam, slam, slam. I'm like between like every like two drinks or so, I'm like drink a glass of water. Yeah, and um, if I'm drinking wine all night, I will get a hangover the next day, a hundred percent. Yes, so. yeah. I just ask because Max turned thirty last year. He's gonna be turning thirty-one in ten days, so he really experienced a major shift between 29 and 30 and his hangovers and how much alcohol he can handle like today he's just has such a bad headache and just like not felt good and he had like maybe like four or five IPAs or something last night let this be a cautionary tale to all our younger listeners yeah exactly you do do just have to become like way more aware (laughs) as you get older like I've, I've always been a lightweight I've always 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 been a lightweight um so I'm I'm a cheap date which is great like if I go to a bar or something like I can nurse one drink for a really long time and still get like a little tipsy and things like that I used to be able to drink wine like nobody's business sorry I know we're really getting off topic here but <laughs> important stuff though very important <laughs> stuff and we don't we never do this shit anymore we never no. just talk to you guys no, so I know and like deal with now it. is the time listen I was telling Matt again before we started recording like I'm in a weird place today. Like, I'm still super happy, but, like, I feel like I was so ratcheted up with anxiety for the last week. And then, you know, I was, like, anxious, anxious, anxious 
ultimate high yesterday where like my face hurt because like I couldn't stop smiling and I was just like literally jazzed and like electrified and now I'm I'm kind of like slowly coming back down to earth and it's like a really weird space to be in yeah I've had a really uh just to be real I've had a really really strange weekend as when I found out that Joe Biden was the president-elect I was on the phone with my mom my mom's not doing great right now she hasn't had her test results back but the woman she was staying with has COVID multiple other family members of mine have tested positive that she had interacted with last week and she is not feeling very good so I've been calling her excessively Mm -hmm. (laughs) probably to the point of annoyance but just to make sure she's taking her temperature and on top of everything you know being the only daughter and her being the only parent of mine kind of you know being very you know obsessive over making sure she's taking care of herself and all that kind of stuff so I was on the phone with her when we found out and we were really excited and so I you know yesterday was weird for me because I went through moments of being stupid happy and like talking a lot and like wanting to dance and like, you know, drinking my champagne and being great. And then I would just start sobbing like water would just start coming out of my eyes and I'd be crying and then I'd be happy. And I just it was a lot. And I'm kind of feeling that way today where like I'm fine and like I feel fine. I'm not panicking like I I feel my mom's going to be okay and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I just keep crying and like getting emotional so it's definitely been a strange it's been a lot of emotions for me all weekend of kind of rotating between being happy about the presidency and also feeling like I really just need to jump in the car and be there for my mom in any way I can be you know it's just tough yeah and I just think also like this year has been so all over the place that I feel emotionally we collectively are a mess. I think we are all a mess because it's like oh, yeah. up, down, left, right, not seeing family members, like all of that stuff, not being able to actively be with your friends the way you would like to, you know, uh-huh. all of those exactly. things compounded into one year and then having this really big, you know, potentially great thing happen. Um, it's a lot for us to take, I think, yeah. mentally and emotionally. Yeah. It's and, difficult. And- For me, it's, you know, I just I'm kind of in a transitional phase with, you know, my job and, uh, you know, there's other things, you know, obviously there was things going on with my mom and, uh, you know, different stressors and things like that. So for me, it just feels like there's always some new thing that I have to like deal with that's going to stress me out. So it was really nice that there at least was that one thing that I get to hold on to where I'm like, okay, this is going to help make me feel better in the long run. This is something, at least for right now, that I can be happy about and find some peace in and forget about everything else a little bit because I know and I can just feel the happiness from everybody else. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. Everybody's so happy. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about um, kind of the celebrations that went on yesterday here where I live, and not to give too much away about my location, um, but I do live near Ventura Boulevard, and Ventura Boulevard was going crazy right after we found out. It was just, I could hear it from my apartment, just like honking and yelling and people being just so excited. And then the traffic sucked. I wish I would have known because I took 
the very wrong way to a place where like nobody knows LA geography. So I'm not going to explain the way that I went, but essentially I ended up on Ventura Boulevard for a very long time. And I was in like stop and go traffic. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I got to one intersection and saw like all these flags and signs and people in the streets. And then I was like, okay, now I'm less angry that I'm stuck. Yes. And and speaking of that as well, like if you were in, again, talking about like Los Angeles, if you were in the WeHo area, the West Hollywood area, I mean, full full streets and and in Hollywood as well like full streets were basically like yeah inaccessible because people had pretty much parked their cars there were like block parties you know most people were masked up and a lot of times people were staying in their cars just kind of hanging out of their windows Um, yeah but there was this just impromptu party like block party that went on and that it almost kind of seemed like a second it was like a second smaller pride parade in WeHo a little bit yeah I mean you it, know <laughs> that went on everywhere it happened in New York it happened in mm-hmm. Philadelphia it happened in DC it happened in London it happened in Paris France I know it's nuts my friend actually lives in Wilmington my, my friend and his fiance and so that was really we got pictures of them with you know selfies with their Biden Harris masks on being in Wilmington waiting for Biden to speak and things like that mm-hmm. and that was really cool and you know I have a lot of friends from Minnesota on Instagram so I saw a lot of Minnesota celebrations and people being really happy and especially seeing uh, different minority groups especially being really happy you know a lot of my friends that are in the LGBTQ community coming out with their flags and their rainbow pride parades and everything like that and then um, a lot of my black friends coming out with Black Lives Matter and different yeah. things like that so kind of everybody's like thing that meant the most to them I feel like was really represented yesterday and the other thing that I I, I don't want to forget to mention because I loved this so much were the children involved. Yeah. I loved just to start it off. I loved that video of Kamala with her. I believe it's like her great niece, which is crazy to me, who's like sitting on her lap. And the niece says something about wanting to be president. And Kamala says, you know, you got to wait till you're 35. And then the niece says, I'm going to be a president astronaut. I know. Oh, my God. And seeing them on stage, I that was something that was really that really hit me pretty hard. I didn't really cry. Like when I heard the news, I was just so excited and happy and I didn't cry. And I still haven't cried like in a serious way. But whenever I was watching a robot, (laughs) I know with me. But when I was watching um, Kamala give her speech yesterday and Biden give his speech, you know, of course, Kamala's speech did get me a little misty eyed talking about, you know, oh, being yeah, a, a woman and a brown woman and a black woman having done this thing. Uh, but something that really, really hit me very hard was when both families came on stage. And for the first time, I'm seeing color on stage with the first yeah. and second families. You know, you have black people, you have these adorable little black girls in their white dresses mm-hmm. on stage. And it was like, wow, wow, you know, well, I yeah, realized it was how much this, my soul needed to see that, you know, how much you needed to see kids. And yeah, that was a really great thing. I loved seeing both families up there so much because it just it just reminded me of that feeling that I think everybody is missing so much. Like I'm really missing that family 
feeling oh. of being together and yeah. seeing them all get together, but also really, really missing seeing a family in the White House and seeing yes. kids in the White House and seeing smiles and hugs and like kisses and, yes. you know, seeing Joe interact with, you know, different members of his family on stage and Kamala interacting with different members of her family on stage is such a difference yes. and it's so comforting and refreshing. Yes, I told Anthony, I was like, it is refreshing to see a family that obviously really has genuine love for each other. Yeah. Because yes, the Trumps always show up. They always show yeah. up to be present for Donald Trump whenever whatever's happening is happening. But that love isn't there. Like it was right. nice to see Joe Biden like hug his granddaughters and like, yeah. you know, really have that genuine affection for his family Exactly. And have it reciprocated by them that you can tell that they love their father or grandfather, you know, yeah. that they're proud of him. It was and a same, very proud moment. Same for Kamala's family. It felt very real and genuine. These are real families. And, you know, I do want to say, you know where we stand. You guys yeah. have been with us for years. You heard us all the way through the primaries. You know that Biden was not our first pick. You know not at the, all. <laughs> the bones we have to pick with Kamala. Uh, you know that we know that they are not perfect people nor perfect candidates, and they will not be perfect president, vice president of this country. We know yeah. all of that. Um, we have issues, and we are going to need to hold their feet to the fire about some things. However... Right. Yesterday, I just needed to be happy and I just of needed course. to feel the relief. Um, yeah. Of course, there's more work to be done, but I think it's very there important is. that we allow ourselves moments of joy where we can find them uh, yes. and to not beat ourselves up about simply just feeling relief or joy or happiness. Yeah. You know, and Biden's really big thing that he shared throughout the, you know, almost five full days of, you know, election coverage was all about unity and saying that, you know, he wasn't just going to be a president for those who voted for him. He's going to be a president for all Americans and for us to start seeing each other as fellow Americans rather than seeing each other as being on one side or the other. And I think that that is such an inspiring thing that we need to hear, where at the same time, I got to say, there's worry in my head because he is so moderate that, you know, he's he's talking about compromise. He's talking about all of this stuff where I think so many people, because especially because they see a Democratic president and because they see Kamala Harris as the vice president, they automatically may assume that that means that all of the things that they're going after, all of their causes are finally going to be heard and it's all going to be fixed, where that's just not the case because Joe Biden works incredibly well with Republicans. And that's probably part of the reason why he was, I'm going to say it, I think he was the best candidate for now for the, for this election I this think year. For getting a priority number one was getting Trump out of there, right? And yeah, so exactly like, that's where we needed to be. However, I think there are still things that we have to be uncompromising about. Like exactly. I, I appreciate he's not the president we need in that respect. Right. As far as like who's gonna fix everything, he's the president we needed in. Like for, I think of him almost as like a, a, a transitional president because he's old as fuck. You guys, I really don't think he's gonna go another two terms. Four years. Yeah, I don't like. I don't think so either. 
that would be bonkers crazy pants to me if that happens. So to me, it's like, okay, we've got someone and Keegan, you you quoted that really funny meme that me before you left, I think, where it's like, it's, it's not a marriage. You know, we're just we're trying to get to a better place. We're not marrying this person forever was we needed to put the fire out. We needed Uh to put the immediate fire out, which was Trump. Yeah. So we needed to do what we needed to do to put that fire out. However, I I do think that it's going to be important for all of us to, first of all, don't get complacent. Don't get lazy. Don't think that just because Trump isn't in office that you can just kick back, relax and never think about politics again. That's not how this is going to work. Uh We can't we can't do that. But also, I do think that it is important for us all to hold Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to a higher standard and to never let them forget that they are in office because of Black Lives Matter. (laughs) That's why they're in office because of these marginalized communities who were the most threatened by the Trump administration who came together and said, not another four years, we're not doing this. And And so they work for us and they need to do what we need them to do because they're there because of us, period. 100%. And I do appreciate the fact that both... Kamala and Joe Biden said uh, a thank you to, you know, specific, you know, minority groups and things yes. like that. Point, yes. You know, calling them out by name and giving, you know, although, you know, obviously there was more to the speech, but still giving the platform and the recognition where the recognition was due. Like, especially, you know, Georgia was so tight without the black people of Georgia, he wouldn't have won. You know what I mean? There's so many places that he won because of the black community. And I'm glad that he at least acknowledged that. To recognize that in these states that we keep talking about and being like, yes, yes, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, we can say Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Michigan. But what we mean is Philadelphia, Atlanta, and Uh Detroit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which are black ass cities. Yep. Um, and, you know, the fact of the matter is uh, the majority or a large number of Democratic um, can- or Democratic voters registered to vote during the Black Lives Matter uprisings this summer um, in in July and August, June, July, August. Yeah. So it, they are directly like directly linked to this victory Um, and not just them. Of course, I'm not just speaking about, you know, black lives matter or black people. Although, you know, I I stand by that. It's a large reason why, of course, all of these marginalized groups, right? The, The trans community, the LGBTQ community in general. And it's because marginalized people are the ones who are most at risk. And so they're, they're the most motivated. And we're sick of your shit. You know, I was so impressed with everybody that I saw on Instagram who would like, you know, record themselves calling different Democrats and asking them to remember to vote and things like that and seeing moms and daughters doing it and families doing it and getting together and sending letters and postcards reminding people to vote and seeing the level of activism that's changed within not only the last four years, but particularly this election year within the last eight months. You know, I feel like there's been this rise of activism. And I think for some people, like, I think I kind of said the same thing in the mini episode where I feel like for some people, they latch onto that and they find a calling in that and they're going to continue it. Where for some people, it's like, you know what, the big fire's out. I need to step back and take a bit of a break. And they'll come back when the big fires are back. You know what I mean? Taking a break is fine, but you have to come back. You you can't, you know, you, you, you need rest. Everybody need needs you. rest. Um, and you need to take joy and rest where you can find it. However, 
you really, really can't allow yourself to become comfortable just because the immediate fire is out. That is my fear. I want to make sure that people remain um, alert and vigilant throughout this. Um, And to be quite honest, that is my fear with Biden is there's always this talk of compromise when it's a Democrat in office. There's always this talk of civility and unity. And those things are super important. And I'm happy to hear him talking about those things because we haven't heard those kinds of conversations in so long. And we do need to come together as a country. However, we cannot compromise on human rights. Uh We just can't do it. You know, if you want to make concessions in other places, um, then I'll hear hear you out. (laughs) But as far as like human rights goes, there are no concessions to be made. You, You have to do some of these things that we put you there to do. Right. Um, so I'm and I, I do I do have faith that, you know, they've they've definitely felt the pressure throughout this time. And I, I do feel that because they have met so many people, you know, they both seem to be very they both seem to be very personable human beings to me where, you know, I think the empathy is real. The empathy is very real. And I think when they meet with these people and hear their stories and it's once they're exposed to those things, I, 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 I see that it touches their hearts in some way. So yes, that to me at least is like, it makes me feel, and this is what I said about Hillary a lot too, where it's like, well, at least I feel like she'll listen, you know, like I don't like her, but I feel like at least she's going to go with like the popular opinion. She's going to go with what the people are really well, pushing for H- and do their Hillary's, best to do it. Hillary is a politician. And so she will go right. with whatever decision. Um, I mean, and this sounds callous, but I believe that Hillary will go with whatever decision benefits her, really. <laughs> kind yeah, of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and if that benefits the rest of us, you know, great. But I do feel like I do feel genuine empathy from from Biden and from Kamala. And I do think that, you know, we covered both of them and their histories in an episode. And I do think that Kamala yeah, we, in a, we didn't go easy on them either. <laughs> no, we didn't. And but the conclusion that I came to and I think I said it in that episode is like, I think that Kamala has been waiting for an opportunity like this. I think she felt compelled to do things in the past um, that now she's going to have a lot more control over. Yeah. And I, I do have faith that she will want to do something about all of this stuff. And, I you know, well. at the end of the day, the vice president actually doesn't have that much power. It's not. But what yeah. she does have is the ear of Joe Biden. And she is, let's be honest, the brains of this operation. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, um, yes, yes. Well, and, and I, I feel I really love the way that they have seemed very united as well i i get good vibes from joe as far as like keeping kamala in tune with what's going on you know i hope that they continue to work together because they really are quite powerful together absolutely and it's very clear that he knows how important she is because it's not typical to have the vice president give a speech the way that kamala gave a speech um on inauguration night it's not typical to have her as involved as she has been but I think that he recognizes how important she is, how smart she is, how like it, she is going to be so vital to his presidency. Uh-huh. And I think that he recognizes that. And I think that she really recognizes 
how important she is as not only a woman, but a black and South Asian woman. Oh, I think yeah. she does take that charge seriously. She does. And I don't think she wants to tarnish her legacy by not doing anything about oh, these issues, you know? They've both got a lot of weight on their shoulders because of the way that we've been talking them up for mm-hmm. so long, trying to get everybody to vote for them. There is a lot of weight on their shoulders in so many ways to clean up this country, and it's not going to happen fast. It's not going to happen easily. we got to give them time and be patient with them. If we learned anything from this election day that lasted five days long is that we need to be patient in everything. Um, so, you know, knowing that... One one term, one presidency may not fix everything that Trump has fucked up anyways. It it will not. Yeah, it's good to remember as well. Um, But I do believe that we at least have two honest, decent people in the White House who are going to be there for us. We have two people who give a shit, which I think is kind (laughs) of like the most important thing. They give a shit. Like He's already said, we're going to rejoin the World Health Organization. We're going to rejoin, you know, the Paris climate. You know, we're going to we're going to do all of these things, which are massively important. No, but that we should have never lost to begin with. These things that are just important to us as Americans that we those are the first and foremost, the things that we need to get back to. Um, I really want to talk to you about Trump of the Four Seasons a little bit, because that's kind of what everybody is talking about this morning. We're recording on. Well, I guess it's not morning anymore. It's afternoon, Sunday afternoon. But I, you know, I heard about this a bit yesterday. I was kind of in and out of the news and things like that uh, toward the end of the day. So I, I really looked into it more this morning and I gotta say it's it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life next to Trump driving back in his motorcade from the golf course yesterday seeing everybody with the sign saying you're fired and things like that but this took the cake for me um, yesterday at 11 a.m., he called for a lawyer's press conference at Four Seasons Philadelphia at 11 a.m. And so apparently all of these journalists and reporters showed up at the Four Seasons Hotel in Philadelphia and was like, what the fuck? And they were like, oh, no, sorry. It's uh, Four Seasons. Oh, what was it? It's like industrial something. What was yes. it? Yeah, they totally fucked up. Basically, the Trump campaign they were supposed to call the Four Seasons Hotel yeah, to to do this press conference or whatever it was. <laughs> and whoever was in charge of it did not call the Four Seasons Hotel. They called, like, yeah, this industrial... The Four Seasons Landscaping in Philadelphia. Yes. Total yes. Landscaping. So ridiculous. I mean, and, like, I that's the thing. It's like, it, it feels like a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. Like, it it's so does. fucking well, somebody ridiculous tweeted. and embarrassing. Somebody tweeted, Veep couldn't have thought of this. Exactly. And that's so true. Like, this was the the images of Rudy Giuliani and the videos of him walking up to this, like, it looks like they're in, like, my storage unit. Like, when you drive in and you have to go through all the different lockers and stuff, Mm -hmm. he looks like he's standing, like, in my storage unit area. It's it's so embarrassing. Like, that's the thing. (laughs) I'm just like, God, like fuck you guys like does it ever just feel like that's what I think when I think about Trump supporters I'm like just the sheer embarrassment would make me leave that party because I'm just like god like is this who you really want to be associated with like oh yeah. my god yeah seeing that and seeing and Rudy Giuliani I mean like a mess, is that, that man really 
uh, the whole image was just too perfect because everything was just the dumpster fire that he is. But it's like, do you really want this dude representing who you are either? Like, it's yes, I'm hoping that as you know, I'm I'm hoping that the brainwashing starts to be reversed a bit and people start to see these normal, uh, well-behaved adults in office and start to see the chaos that is the Trump administration. I did find it very funny. I don't know what happened with this because I haven't heard anything about it on the news, but I saw that Jared Kushner did (laughs) approach Trump about conceding. And boy, do I wish I could be a fly on the wall Uh for that conversation. It it wasn't just him. Melania reportedly also like a bunch of people were like, you need to concede. Oh, you have to stop. I pictured like Jared coming in and being like, "Uh, uh, uh, sir, um, I'm thinking maybe you should like think about concede. Like I didn't think of it as being like, dude, you got to do this. I no, pictured but them just being like spineless worms. I mean, I'm sure that they were because I'm sure that they're afraid of him being unhinged because he fucking is unhinged. Mm-hmm. But um, the, I, I know that they are reporting that more than just Jared Kushner, also Melania, also I'm sure Ivanka because she's for better or worse kind of the smartest one there. Um, I'm sure they were all like, look. <laughs> you have to do this thing. And of course yeah. it didn't go over well, I'm sure. Um, no. I'm sure it's been a fucking nightmare to live with that man for the oh last 24 God. hours. You his know, poor, his poor family. They also, they need so much therapy. Of like, course, can someone get them just like a really like need therapy, non-biased therapist to just They're help them out up like for real. Oh my God. I, Mil- look, can we start playing some bets on how quickly Melania is going to be, out that marriage like double oh, yeah. deuces oh you know what i've I mean? been seeing the memes everywhere it's like how to divorce orange man <laughs> like, yes, it's man. true she's gonna be out of that marriage so i fast. think so too this um, i think that she's like hated him more and more and more as the president has gone on she hated him from day one let's be oh, real yeah. like you know i don't think she got into that marriage because she loved him like no. maybe i'm wrong could be wrong but i don't think so and it's been very apparent like to me um, yeah. So, but okay, I wanted to touch on this just right before we end the episode. So, I do want to let people know that there are going to be runoff elections in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So, at this moment, the Democratic Party does not have control of the Senate. Uh, we need at least two more Senate seats. If we do not have control of the Senate, then Joe Biden will be forced to work with like Mitch McConnell in order to get anything done as a president, uh, which will be extremely difficult to do. So there are some runoff elections going on in Georgia. Uh, A runoff election, in case you don't know, is a second election or basically like a rematch election that occurs when neither of the candidates meet the victory threshold. Uh Wow. Fleshhold. That's gross. It's a fleshhold. (laughs) Threshold. God, ew. Ew. Um, oh god in georgia um candidates must receive the majority of the vote in order to win an election and Mm -hmm. if none of the candidates break that 50 percent of the vote then the top two with the most votes will face off again in a runoff election to determine the winner so yeah the the georgia senate democratic candidates Raphael warnock and john ossoff are both headed to runoff elections so Basically, you have an opportunity. The races will go on and be held um, on January 5th, 2021. So if you are going to turn 18, let me actually find the day. So if you turn 18 by January 5th, 2021 in Georgia, you are eligible to vote in this runoff election. And it will determine whether or not 
um, Mitch McConnell will take control of the Senate. So yes. you have until December 7th to register. Even if you are 17 on December 7th, as long as you are turning 18 by January 5th, you can register. So please, yeah. please, please, if you are in Georgia and you are listening to this and you are 17, <laughs> yeah, register and get three of your friends to register. I was going to say, put it on all your social media because for some reason, teenagers each have like 50,000 followers. I don't know what it is about like every teenager, but they like grew my up little... with social media. They had a oh head start. God, they like my little, start. my second cousins like here, one of them is showing up right now. Like she has like over 1400 followers and she's like a senior in high school somewhere. The 14,000 or 1400? 1400. So it's oh, not okay. like, it's not like, you know, she's an influencer or anything, but like I don't have that many on my personal page. I think I have like 800 or something. Well, they like, got damn, a head girl. start. They got a head start because they were doing this shit before us. They were born I into mean, it. I mean, we had MySpace. So really, yeah, we should have been pre-trained. It really didn't transfer over. <laughs> As to the likes and the things like that, I guess, did, are different. Did not transfer. Um, but yes, really? I just I wanted to point that out kind of last because I, it's vitally important. Yes. Um, it would be, it's amazing if we have a Democratic-controlled House and, of course, Democrats um, in the White House. But if we don't have the Senate, it will make everything difficult so, so much more difficult yeah that's that's a really really big important thing to remember is that that's the thing that's going to be holding us back from having uh the things that we want accomplished accomplished easily you know those yeah. are going to be the the hurdles that we're going to have to climb every we gotta time we flip want that anything Senate, progressive honey. done yeah exactly gotta flip it gotta flip it everybody oh well, I'm so glad that we just got to hang out and chat and connect after this weekend and get all of that out. I, How do you feel after that many days of news coverage and anxiety Ooh. and excitement? I mean, I, I touched on it kind of a little bit already. I, I, I feel like I'm coming down a little bit, like I'm in that I'm in a come down right now, uh, mm. which is it's just weird. Like, I feel great, of course. I feel yeah. amazing. I don't feel as amazing as yesterday, but I feel like something happened kind of like uh, physiologically <laughs> with yeah. my body chemistry where I was in such a high state of anxiety for almost a week. And then all of a sudden it was like a oh, high spike of adrenaline. And yes. then now I'm like kind of settling back down to normal, but still feeling very good and very hopeful. Right. Well, I have a few people that I want to thank for getting me through this journey. Very, very important people that I need to thank. First and foremost, I want to thank John King for always reminding me how fun the election is, for mm. always having enthusiasm with every tip, tip, tap that he tipped, tapped his fingers on his little map, the smile on his face, the reassuring uh, updates that he would give us as often as he could. Also from CNN, who was the other person? Oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, is his Last name Tapper. Oh, Jake Tapper. Mm. Jake Tapper. Thank An you angel. for being eye candy for me to look at and for getting that really like burrowed brow, passionate, like intense eye thing going that really like got me going I throughout the long, with, long um, hours. I recorded with my worst date yesterday and we always do a fuck, Mary kill segment yeah. on that show. And we did um, news anchors. And mm -hmm. we, we called them Map Daddies. Map? And, uh, I've seen that. <laughs> I, I saw that, that yesterday. 
Oh my gosh, I love it. And then I also want to thank, I don't remember his real name, but I call him Roland because he looks like Roland from Schitt's Creek on MSNBC. But he was there for me a lot. He's adorable. I went, hey, Roland, every time he came on the TV, which made me happy. And last but not least, I want to thank James Kornacki for being adorable. Mm. And he's just like, I just want him in my little pocket. But I also wanted to uh, shout out for all of the newscasters that I was watching. I watched CNN and MSNBC. NBC for the moving commentary that they had, particularly after, you know, the president elect was announced. Mm-hmm. Van Jones. Uh, Got to give a Van huge, Jones. huge shout out to Van Jones and, and Anderson Cooper, too. Anderson Cooper and the uh, I kept calling him John Lennon, Don Lennon. No, Don Lemon. Lemon. Yes. Lemon. Yes. He, he also on a MSNBC last night gave such a moving speech that had me in tears once again. That was just so, so beautiful and spoke on what it meant to be, you know, a black gay man and um, having this new president and things like that. So I really felt like I had a relationship building with these people. Um, so I wanted to put that thank you out into the universe for helping me survive yes, this time also, where I didn't watch anything but the news for five days straight. Just so. props to them for not having slept in like six days like none of these people slept more than like an hour a night so I'm like I god damn it's (laughs) amazing I think I think it was James Kornacki that I saw a thing on BuzzFeed where there was somebody that had tweeted that had worked with him before and they were like I can say the man does not eat and sleep he is Mm -hmm. a robot and it's true John John King also somebody asked him I think on Thursday and he said that he'd gotten something like six and a half hours of sleep between Tuesday and Thursday oh my god (laughs) Funny. You know, like, but he looked fabulous. They like, all I know they have, amazing. I have I know to they say. have makeup and everything, but like, my god, even with I it, like they all looked great. They really they did. Looked amazing. Everybody, even like the White House correspondents that were coming on, like everybody brought out their best attire. And that's the last thing I've got to say. Kamala's two blouses, and I mm. can't remember. I think it was the the day before and yesterday where she had the red blouse with the red bu- with the bow at the at the neck the and then white yesterday suit. Oh, the white kiss. suit Beautiful. with the blouse I'm like if this is going to be a window into the fashion that we are going to be seeing from her in the future I am here I know I was um, like googling where to find a white suit I'm like oh god damn uh, she looks good I need a white pantsuit now and I, I forgot to say this earlier when we were talking about her when she found out that she was going to be the vice president also her husband will be the I guess first second gentleman second gentleman yes yeah and also he is Jewish which is really That's amazing right. they and check a lot be- of boxes they checked so just Kamala and her husband alone checked all the goddamn boxes pretty much in there. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy. The positive news of the election has helped me through what otherwise probably would have been a very sad weekend. So I am glad that we got to connect and chat. Me too. Me too. Hope you guys enjoyed this um, episode. I know it was a little different from our usual format. We didn't have a lot of notes or, you know, a very specific topic other than just to have a conversation and kind of decompress about the events of the last week. Um, It's just where we were at mentally. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you have anything that you'd like to add to the conversation, you know, please do let us know how you're feeling. Oh my Uh, gosh. Yeah. I want to hear that. If you have like a fun election story. Oh, I would love to read it. Totally. I mean, I want to see like, you know, pictures and videos. If y'all have like crazy stuff, if you were out in your cities when 
like shit was going down. Like I want to see that stuff because I was just home on my couch. So I love getting things from our listeners on Instagram. So feel free to throw it out there. Feel free to email us. You can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. Catch us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y A N F podcast we have a facebook business and group page you can go ahead and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page you can also review us on apple podcast that is the number one way for you to support us and it makes us so happy we got two of the sweetest we did ones and keegan sent them to me yesterday when she knew i was feeling really sad and then i cried again because it was so lovely (laughs) they were so very very sweet so beautiful. So we'll share one of those on Tuesday and then the other on the following Tuesday. And last but not least, if you don't listen to us on Radio Public, go ahead and do that. It is a free way for you to listen and it helps us out just a little bit. All right. That's all we got for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to, to rage, rage on. on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.